0: From the U.S. Army, a national touring band and rock radio programmer, it's Nick Summers. And this is The Right Side of Rock. Here's Nick Summers. All right, so I was thumbing through my music news, like I usually do preparing for the next episode of uh, The Right Side of Rock. By the way, make sure you subscribe give me a positive review if you're so inclined to share it with a friend who you might think uh, would like this this kind of thing what am I at like 36 I think episodes eh, it's still a young podcast but uh, it's starting to uh, to reach some folks and and I'm getting some great feedback Nick talk 945 at gmail.com. I appreciate everybody uh, sending me their thoughts on on different things, different podcasts, different ideas. I like it. But today's idea actually came from, like I said, I was thumbing through some of the, the music news, and I came across a story about Quiet Riot, and they found an old recording. It must have been like a home studio recording from 2003 from Kevin Dubrow, who was the lead singer, obviously, of Quiet Riot. He has since passed away. And Frankie Banali, who also passed away two years ago. From pancreatic cancer, but it was those two working on a song, and the current guys, Rudy Sarzo, Alex Grossi. Well, we got to do some justice to this, so they finished the song. It was basically done, but they had to add in the bass and they added in some guitar and and they used some of the guys in the current lineup. Rudy Sarzo, of course, being with Quiet Riot on their biggest albums. So and they're almost since the beginning when Randy Rhodes was in Quiet Riot before he went off to Ozzy and then took. Rudy Sarzo with him. And that got me thinking, wow, an unreleased song. How many times have we heard that? If you're a really, like a super fan of a particular band and you find out they've got some, and all bands have these, by the way, all bands have these unreleased songs. Uh, a lot of times what'll happen is, let's just say, sake of an argument, they'll go into the studio with 25 songs. Maybe 15 to 20 of them get recorded. Maybe 10 to 15 of them end up on the album. I mean, whatever reason they get cut the producer whoever's producing that particular album doesn't think that that song is strong enough or those songs or what have you so they end up end up just being demos or sometimes they're completely finished tracks but they just don't make it on the album and then you'll find out that they'll they'll end up on a box set sometime and many of these songs have ended up eventually on box sets And that's what we're going to discuss today, these great unreleased songs. And we've got, we're going to run the gamut here. And and I picked some of the ones that are some of the biggest ones. When they hit, they were like, whoa, where did that come from? And we've got everybody from Kiss to Ozzy, ACDC, Van Halen. Some of these you may have never heard. And I'll try to give you a little story on on all of them. We're going to start with Kiss because, well, that's my favorite band and it's my podcast. <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, what happened was they had a huge success with the album Revenge. And that was the first album without Eric Carr, who passed away previously from cancer. So they had Eric Singer in there and they brought back Bob Ezrin who helped uh, probably one of their best and one of their worst albums, depending on your point of view. Destroyer featuring, you know, Shout It Out Loud and Beth and Detroit Rock City, all that. And then, of course, Music From The Elder, which was from a movie they never made. Some people love that album. I do because it's, it's a concept album. It was really out there. But your average Kiss fan is like, Dah. and your average record buying public at the time was like, what is this? It was just, it wasn't Kiss. That's all. Yeah. Whatever. So Bob Ezrin was behind both of those. He's the producer. A producer is very, very important to the sound of an album, to song selection. Many times if the producer, and I touched on this a little bit in the previous podcast, the producer can also, if he's a musician or a songwriter himself, he can add to things. He can, he can help fix the arrangement. He can add a bridge. He can add a, a transition, a musical transition. He can add lyrics. You know, he can just put that extra, uh, I guess you could say, finishing touch on what was probably already a really great song, but in that producer's eyes, was going to take it to the next level. You know, one of those things. So go- going back to the Kiss thing, they recorded this album as the follow up to Revenge, but something happened. They did the unplugged thing on MTV. There was a lot of interest in the original lineup, so they recorded the album and they shelved it. And this is not the first time in history, in if you will, that an album has gotten shelved by the band. They did this pre-Kiss with Wicked Lester, and then they went off. They fired all those guys or quit, whatever, and then they started Kiss. And then CBS Records had that Wicked Lester album, and they were like, "Whoa, Kiss is like a big thing. We should release this and, and try to make some money on it, capitalize on their popularity." Well, Kiss caught wind of that. And the management company said, "No, no, 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 we're going to buy it." And then they shelved it. And we never heard any. Every once in a while, thanks to the internet, somehow somebody knew somebody who was in on the recording sessions or knew somebody at the record label. Somehow, somebody gets it. Generally, it was a handful of people. But then somebody who knows somebody puts it on the internet. And then everybody gets to hear it. If you're a fan of the band, you're looking for it. It's not like it's going to advertise itself and, hey, this is out there. Go get it. you got to still find this stuff. Many times the bands are not fans of their unreleased stuff becoming released. It's unreleased for a reason. They weren't either proud of it or they didn't finish it. It's kind of a rough demo thing. It's just, you know, it's just not a best representation of the bands are really funky that way. I I get it. I've got some stuff that I've never released that is just like, yeah, nah. <laughs> it didn't turn out the way that we planned and I'm just sitting on it. You know, that's just the way it is. I get it. So what happened though is because the internet was starting to become a thing and bootleg copies of this were made, this album. And it had all kinds of different names that had, I mean, it was just, I can't even remember all the names that it was called, but even I listened to it and it was just the most horrendous recording, the version of it. It was horrible. It was just, you know, it was like the 15 billionth generation of, you know, tape of a tape of a tape of a tape. And every time you do that, you lose some quality, right? So it was just all hissy. And it was like a really bad cassette, but it was still cool because I got to hear this because we didn't think we'd ever hear it. Well, Kiss went on and reunited with the four original members. They went out and did a tour. They released a Greatest Hits package. Everything was going great. Then they had some downtime after the reunion tour. And it was like, well, what are we going to do? We got to keep our name out there until we release the next album and go out again. Then they decided to finally release this thing. And they called it Carnival of Souls, The Final Sessions. And it was really a departure. It was kind of a step in that revenge direction, but even less radio friendly. It was, Kiss were like chameleons. You know, whatever was going on at the time, they were able to adopt that style, sort of. In a sense, you could say they were sellouts. Some people do. I just think they just, hey, this is popular. This is what's going on. We can write this. They did it with Disco. So did Rod Stewart and the Rolling Stones and a number of others. But, you know, at least they rocked it up a bit. I know. Some people never forgive them for that. That's fine. But this was kind of a grungy thing. They released the album. It went to number 27. Not bad. There was no promotion behind it whatsoever. I happened to be in rock radio at the time. And I remember when they released it and I was like, oh yeah, I am absolutely going to add this right out of the box. Meaning as soon as it's out and in my hands, it's going on our playlist. And it ended up being a top 10 mainstream rock radio hit. That's pretty good. Considering it was kind of a throwaway album. They recorded it between 1995 and 1996. Then they canceled its release. As I mentioned, Jungle was the name of the song. That they released. The only one. There's a lot of great songs on that thing. Childhood's End is really good. Master and Slave. Uh, Rain is good. I'll Be There is good, which is a song that Paul wrote for his son. It's kind of cool. And as I mentioned, this one, Jungle, unreleased and then eventually released. That's kind of the theme of uh, this week's podcast. comes alive The peace is waking up to take another life I can't me. Me. Then nothing left another one when i was doing rock radio that came into my i guess you could say my sphere of thinking just because I was a huge Ozzy fan and Randy Rhodes really only left us with two albums with Ozzy. There's that pre-stuff with Quiet Riot back when he was, you know, in the mid to late 70s. And, and I've heard some of that stuff. It's eh, it's all right. I mean, I could see why it wasn't anything big. It was just run-of-the-mill rock stuff. Randy was great, but it was just the songs weren't really eh. It was okay. Right. L- not slamming. It's just that they didn't quite find it yet. Well, when he went off with Ozzy, as I mentioned, and then he took Randy Rhodes with him, they recorded two incredible albums, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Here is an example of one of those songs that was floating around out there thanks to the internet, but was never released until the record company said, we might be able to make something with this. So they did. And it was really interesting how this came about. It was originally from the uh, blizzard of oz sessions it features randy rhodes there's depending on who you listen to there's some people that say it wasn't quite finished because they knew after they got kind of the rough draft of the song done that it wasn't going to be anything that was going to be on the album there are a lot of people that say no this was the finished project or product rather of the song. And it was this close to being on the album, but it was left off for some reason. Uh, Some fans of the uh, original album, Blizzard of Oz, said that they should have taken No Bone Movies off, if you're familiar with Blizzard of Oz, the album, and put this one on there. It became a rock radio hit. We played it for a long time when I was doing rock radio in Wisconsin. Uh, I want to say it went top 20, if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of stations picked it up, mainly because you had two, two things. You had Ozzy, you had Randy Rhodes. Right, something nobody really ever heard before. Except for fans of the band who research this stuff. And generally, that's where it stays until the label releases it. And here you go. Unreleased, then released, which is the theme Ozzy Osbourne with Randy Rose. <laughs> another one of those that was an unfinished song it was finished but it wasn't quite finished they didn't really like what it, what they had done with it and they ended up using a majority of the song the riff from the song for another song huh it'll make sense here in just a second Uh, Volts is an album by ACDC, released as uh, part of a disc four, I guess you could say, on the Bonfire box set released in 1997. It's a compilation of some alternative versions of songs recorded from the albums like Let There Be Rock, Highway to Hell, some other songs previously not released. There's even some hidden tracks on there, which is a lot of fun. But this particular song turned out to end, ended up being a different song and you'll hear it. But this is the, I guess you could say, the pre-version of Whole Lotta Rosie. If you're an ACDC fan, you know that song. It used to be called Dirty Eyes with different lyrics and had a different kind of feel to it. Here's a fun one, because if you're a big Van Halen fan like me, knowing that this stuff is out there, and trust me, I touched on this on the last podcast as well, Eddie Van Halen's vaults are just filled with tapes and tapes of either song ideas, completed songs, demo versions of songs. I mean, there's so much stuff in there that Wolfgang's in charge of it. And I think Uncle Alex also has some say in it as well. But if there ever comes a time where he decides he wants to just release this stuff, we could get a Van Halen album, a new quote-unquote Van Halen album, like every two years for like the next 20 years. From what people are saying, including Wolfgang himself, he said that the the vaults are just filled with stuff. It's kind of like Prince. Prince had thousands of songs, ones that he thought, oh, this is great, and then he got done recording it and put the finishing touches on Nah, I'll shelve it. And he put it, but it just sits somewhere. I mean, people who can write like that just amaze me. Nevertheless, this one is, if you know the Van Halen story, you know that Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons went to go see Van Halen when Kiss was already starting to take off in 1976. They are already a big thing. And he said, I want you guys to have a record deal somewhere soon. I'll produce your demo. Van Halen was like, yeah, they're getting, you know, they're one of, the hottest acts currently at that time in 1976. So Gene Simmons produced the demos. And here is one of the songs. It's really rare. They haven't released it yet, but it was leaked online a few years ago. And I had to do some research to find it because it's not the easiest, at least when I was looking for it. Babe, don't leave me. It's, 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 it's a pretty good song. You can hear the Van Halen. You can hear it. This is early on. This is before their first album. On um, This Demo is running with the devil as well. And these are the demos produced by Gene Simmons that helped them get a record contract through Warner Brother Records. Here it is. Rare and still officially unreleased Van Halen. Let's go back to 1969, The Doors. I would imagine that's another band because they're just kind of a jam band in a way. I can picture them getting in the studio, doing whatever it is they do, (laughs) you know, either blazing up or drinking or whatever. I just that's, you know, that's from that era. So I could picture it. And they just got going on a groove and sometimes the tape was rolling and they had a song. You know, it's just that's how bands did it still do it that in many cases and here's one that was never released well it wasn't released until 19 when was it 1980 89 it's the doors unreleased and then eventually released someday soon me, actually, if they would have finished this song, whatever stopped them from finishing it, it's a shame because, I mean, I'm not a Doors fan, but this is, this to me is very typical Doors and I could see this being a thing. The Right Side of Rock with Nick Summers. Another one that always interested me was Johnny Cash. I'm not a country guy, but I like Johnny Cash. He's just, even though he's country, he's rock and roll. You know what I mean? And, and I always was a fan of his attitude. Uh, I liked that movie. You know, he had some demons, obviously. He had one true love of his life, June Carter. And uh, he and Dylan got together. Bob Dylan. That's right, Bob Dylan in the 60s. Bob Dylan wrote this song for Johnny Cash. And Johnny Cash ended up playing it. And it was released on the uh, the St. Quentin Prison thing that he did. You know, Folsom Prison Blues, I think he sang there. And, and that whole album. Is, is just, it's a great, it's a, it's a rock album. It really is, if you think about it. It's just with the attitude. He's playing in front of prisoners. And this is on there. But was on, what was unreleased until recently, about two years ago, three years ago, was the original version where they're just loosely playing this in the studio. And you can hear June Carter telling Johnny to remind Bob Dylan that he's got to sing the melody line in this one. It's really interesting to hear June Carter Cash and Johnny Cash, you know, before this song was ever released on any album. Well, Bob Dylan owned the rights to it, obviously, and released it. Like I said, a couple of years ago. Really interesting. It's called "Wanted Man." I like this song. I do, and frankly, this is the first time I heard of it. June, did you like that? I interrupt you train of thought, but be sure that Bob put some melody for that song. That Wanted man down you. Oh yeah, you, you forgot I have to. I forgot mm-hmm. the melody. Thank you. Wanted man in Indiana Wanted man in Ohio Wanted man in Texarkana Wanted man in Mexico Wanted man in Sacramento Wanted man in Old Cheyenne Wherever you may look tonight You may see this wanted man Wanted man by Lucy Watson Wanted man by Jeannie Brown Wanted man by Nellie Johnson Wanted man in this next town but I've had all that I wanted of a lot of things I've had And a lot more than I needed of some things that turned out bad Wanted man in Sacramento Wanted, wanted man, man in Tennessee Wanted man in, in Sacramento <laughs> You're listening to The Right Side of Rock with Nick Summers. As I said, I was going through my music news, and this story just sparked me that, hey, this would be a great podcast theme. Quiet Riot unearthed an old demo by current guitarist Alex Grossi and deceased singer Kevin Dubrow. It dated back from 2003. It also included Frankie Benalli. How about that? The song's called I Can't Hold On. Guess where they found it? It was on an iPod. It was recovered from Kevin Dubrow's iPod. Remember, the guy passed away, sadly, in 2007 due to a, a cocaine overdose. The guy had quit, was clean and sober for so long, and uh, rumor has it he had a rough time breaking up with this woman, and he went checked himself into a hotel and just started psh, using and abusing. So sad. Now, Frankie Benali died August 20th in 2020 after a really tough battle with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. I mean, if anybody was going to make it, everyone thought he, he could. Uh, If you're even just a casual fan of Quiet Right, this is really a good song. It features Rudy Sarzo on bass, because he's currently back in the band, and he laid down the tracks, his bass stuff. It also features uh, the current guitar players I mentioned. He had to re-record some of his tracks, but they used the original drums and the original vocals from both guys who had passed away, Kevin Dubrow and Frankie Banali. Look for the video, the official band video. It is so moving because it just chronicles Kevin Dubrow's life, and then obviously Frankie Banali's fight with cancer. And it's just, I mean, it almost it it'll it'll move you. And to hear them again. I, I, we, as far as I knew, they were never. We were never going to hear Kevin Dubrow again. I thought we heard everything we could. It was unreleased because they found it recovered from an old iPod, and then finally re-released just last month. As a matter of fact, here it is. I can't hold on. It's my final cut for right side of rock. Here's the final cut.